0: If you're going to do a podcast, do it really well. Don't like, I don't know, start a blog and a podcast and a YouTube channel and a series of Instagram lives or LinkedIn lives or whatever. Just really do something small. And that's kind of a core part of building a brand is like if you're scattered and you end up kind of just abandoning one platform, that might have a, a worse impact than if you had just not done it at all to begin with
1: you are listening to Podcast Success Secrets. This podcast is for people who want to become the best at what they do and build a community around that. <laughs> My name is Daxi. And if you want to learn the best way to start or grow a podcast, visit podcastsecrets.co. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Success Secrets. I'm personally excited about this one just to kind of Dive into soshana That's that's how you say your name, correct?
0: Shoshana, yeah.
1: Yeah. Dive into your brain, how you think, because you have a lot of experience in the space—about seven years, correct—in the digital marketing yes. space, mm-hmm. helping with social and marketing communications, helping people craft their message, bring big ideas to life, and impact with their audience. Yes. Um, where did you start, actually? Like, where did was your I first st- gig?
0: Yeah. yeah, so I started out of college working at a skincare brand based out of North Hollywood, but they were actually a Spanish company and I started doing their social media marketing, which back then meant it was a lot different than what it is now. Um so it was a lot of the actual content creation, but it was a very new field and emerging. So, yeah, I started very small, part-time freelance basis and it turned into what I do now. So
1: Awesome. And uh I want to go over kind of branding and content strategies for podcasts because obviously they probably know some of the ones I share with them. Some of them are between our programs, but sure. it's always good to hear different perspectives and, and people with different experience mm-hmm. um, and what they've done. Because you've probably worked on some projects that involved podcast content, et cetera. Yes. Correct? Yes. I think with, with Neil Patel, were you doing anything with this podcast?
0: Kind of tangentially, but I haven't... I was not really a part of the like development and really leading that project. So, But I I did learn a lot from him and I've worked on other podcast launches.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So for people who don't know who you are, can Mm -hmm. you kind of just briefly just say why you're awesome and what you do?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know um, if I'm awesome. I think that's very subjective. But um, I've worked in the branding and content space for, like you said, about seven years and primarily with B2B software brands, although I have worked on some more consumer good products such as Martinelli's, I've worked on the Hugo Boss account and also um, some banks. But my experience is really primarily in like content strategy and branding. And I think that that, no matter what kind of medium you're using, whether that's podcasting or blogging or anything like that, those same principles apply. So I'm really excited to be talking about this because podcasting is something I've really enjoyed doing. And I think it's a very powerful form of content and definitely an emerging field.
1: Yeah. I mean, because when it comes down to it, like as far as messaging, it's a marketer's dream to have a lot of consumption. Yeah. And when people mm-hmm. listen to podcasts, they're usually like, that's the number one rate we look at in data. Yeah. Um, which I know you're all about data is we look at consumption rate. <laughs> With yeah. social media, you can get like a wide scale, but right. it's like kind of can be surface level sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what I'm curious, like what kind of results have you gotten like working with those companies or anything like stand, where you're like something you've kind of done or implemented led to something cool?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know at one of the places I've worked recently, I launched an ebook that also had a lot of video content paired with it that generated two thousand leads. Um, I'm not really sure the revenue, but I did work on their blog, which also kind of expanded from written content into more um, like video and podcast content. That doubled their traffic and led to about, I think, 4 million of an increase in revenue. So those are some of the more exciting numbers. But I've also launched podcasts where they've generated like 20% more traffic. And then we've used social to kind of feed that loop as well.
1: Gotcha. So just to hop into it, I want to paint a scenario. Yeah. Um, Let's say you're starting with a new podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. we might be skipping a few steps here, but because uh, obviously <laughs> it's probably a long process to help someone develop their brand at, yeah. in your world. But um, what are the first things you kind of do to help someone develop what you call like a competitive content strategy? Like, what are you looking at? What are you trying to develop?
0: Yeah. So I think that one of the things that companies and brands kind of fast forward through, which causes problems later on, is the foundational research. So I think before coming up with content topics to talk about. It's really important to understand why you're starting a podcast. Even if it seems very obvious to you, I think it's always helpful to document it because ideas will come up and just understand, you know, are you doing this just because it's cool and trendy or is it actually something that your audience is going to appreciate and consume and enjoy? So I think that's the first step. And then second to that, is really getting a a great understanding of the market and the competitive landscape. And I think when you actually get to coming up with what content you're going to talk about, it's important to have all that background so that you can understand, okay, like what are my main competitors talking about and where are the gaps and what can I expand on? And then also like add to the conversation because I think in such a saturated market, you have to really add value. And I think if you're not doing that and if you kind of rush through those initial steps, and you just start a podcast without really understanding why and you just start talking about whatever is relevant to your podcast it might just be kind of a carbon copy of what someone else is doing
1: yeah it's really important to understand like i think you you hit the nail on the head there understand where the gaps are so you yeah. don't sound like you stand out
0: right you know? exactly and,
1: and you kind of have uniqueness and novelty yeah. to your content so what about, like, when, one problem I see, I talk to a lot of, like, you know, podcasters who are starting out or they're kind of struggling with growing their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a common problem I see is people don't necessarily know their audience in detail. Yeah. Um, or their niche. They're like, you know, I I want to talk to everybody. you know. Right. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I, well, I still don't know who you help and what you help them with when you say right. that. Right. Like, someone recently told me, like, yeah, usually people from, like, 18 to 55 who live in America, <laughs> I'm like...
0: Right. <laughs> like a, yeah. Seriously.
1: Uh, so, like, what advice would you give to people trying to figure out their audience, like yeah. in, in detail, like any any type of like research or kind of things they can do?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of where. <laughs> So, this is a complex area, and it's not necessarily yeah. like, you know, three steps to finding this out. I think it's, it's really pretty dynamic um, to them. It's dynamic, definitely. It's unique and it might evolve over time. So, I think it also depends on where you are in like launching your business or your podcast. Yeah. Um, because if you're at the very early stage, I can pretty much guarantee that your product is going to evolve very, and it might end up being something very different. So, Just kind of acknowledging that this is kind of a constant work in progress. Any strategy should be a living document. But I would say that, you know, it it kind of helps to be the end user of your own products. Like, if you have any kind of insight into it, that is great. If not, then research, like, do a lot of research into where your audience spends their time. Um, Find them on Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups. Or, you know, if it's a younger audience, maybe like TikTok or Instagram. And just really understand what kind of content they like and why they would use your product or your business or whatever, if it's a service, like why they would use you, why they would want to listen to your podcast. And I would say really define it as far as you can possibly take it. Like create buyer personas. I think it's kind of one of those like marketing buzzwords, but it actually has a lot of value to outline all the different people who would be interested in your content or would be using your service and why and what their pain points are how you can talk to them and accepting that you can't target everyone and you wouldn't want to. I think some of the most engaging brands isolate people and that's fine. I think that's what makes them stand out. Like if we look at brands like Asana where you know they added unicorns into like project management software. I mean, that might alienate a certain group of people who don't really respond to that, but great. It creates more of an affinity with people who really do. And so I think Thinking depth, not breadth, is ultimately the best strategy in terms of refining your audience.
1: Okay, what do you mean they added unicorns? Like that's like their brand mascot? Uh,
0: No, um, well, yeah. I mean, they have. I don't know if it's necessarily their brand mascot, but they have a lot of that kind of imagery. Like, if you're working in the software and you complete a task, there's like a unicorn that flies
1: out. That's actually, that's really funny because when I first (laughs) used Trello like a bunch of years ago, my background image was just a unicorn. Oh,
0: that's nice.
1: So I think I was ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Okay. So I I, just to echo that, like, I think that what you said there is really important being the user of your own product. Mm -hmm. Because that is one thing I've noticed from people who are constantly growing and like have a good audience and loyal is that they're evolving. Right. um, And that to do that, it's like the product iteration never ends, especially nowadays. Like, it's always. You have to update it, keep it fresh, et cetera. And you can only do that if you're like in the trenches. That's something I've been doing more recently too, just looking at everything I'm doing. Yeah. Um, Cool. So I want to talk about like um, data-driven messaging. Mm -hmm. So I I guess that's another problem a lot of podcasters have is they uh, don't know what's working and they don't know where the opportunity is and they don't know what to improve or what to add or what to remove. Sometimes they probably try to do too much promotion.
0: And content, Mm -hmm.
1: and they like. So, how do you go about like looking at data? Like, even if it's like using certain tools or Mm -hmm. you know habits, etc.
0: Yeah, so I'll I'll kind of talk about this from a holistic perspective, since I'm assuming that a lot of people launching podcasts have some kind of other service or product offering or website that they are like, you know, using this as a way to expand their their audience, right? So I think that it's important to look at both. Um you definitely want to look at your podcast metrics, like who what episodes are getting the most attention, how far along people are listening to, like what the engagement is. I think it's really important to understand where your audience is too. Um and I know that Buzzsprout has that capability to kind of identify what area of the globe your listeners are. And then in addition to that, I think it's really important to look at like the whole picture. Um, if you have any kind of heat map on your site, I think that that's a great way to see like what you know the full picture is in terms of people listening to your episode on your site. What are they doing after? Are they just leaving? So really using all the tools out there to your advantage. I would definitely recommend heat maps. I think Google Analytics is essential as well, especially if you're creating content that is kind of repurposing your podcast like a corresponding blog post or a transcript based blog post but just seeing what is getting the most attention i think is really the first step and it's a really easy metric to find and then second to that i would use engagement or lack of engagement as a way to see if you're actually answering the question that your audiences are thinking you're going to and then doing more of the content that works and i think sometimes You know, that's such a basic step, but it can be overlooked, especially when you're talking about so many different things or, you know, if you're really trying to be creative with your content and do kind of unique things, sometimes that doesn't always work. So I think just really listening to your audience and watching what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I actually I use a tool. I I should probably log in. I forget for for heat mapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the most popular ones?
0: Hotjar, Crazy Egg, Full Story. Yeah, Hotjar is. And Hotjar, is a like you one. get
1: two hundred visits free or something. You
0: I'm not video. sure. I'm not too familiar with their pricing or plans, but I feel like they do have a pretty robust free.
1: Yeah. Version. And until like you do it and you look at it, yeah. it's like I, I feel like it's a cool experience
0: yeah. like, to actually
1: see someone using a website different from you. <laughs> you're like, "Wait, why are you scrolling like that?" or "Why are you exactly what I would do?" And it yeah. kind of blows your mind. I know.
0: You know I it? mean, I think that marketers and business owners can kind of end up being in their own little bubble of their brand or their company and you don't really understand how someone else views it. And so those tools are really, really helpful. Sometimes I feel like analytics can be kind of a, I don't know. I'm not really a numbers person. So for me, it's always been a, uh, do I have to? But the more I just accepted that this is like an essential part to developing a content and brand strategy, the more it became like almost fun. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm really learning yeah. something about my audience.
1: Because I, I guess we all forget where we started and yeah. <laughs> thinking and kind of our objections and our desires, etc cetera. Totally. Before we first started. So I'm curious, this might be something you could probably shed some insight on. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, Goals and and like you know setting a vision or like kind of a target you want to hit like how do you go about that like for people looking obviously the goals are different for everybody mm-hmm. but like you know what what is that process looks for you for like tracking and and setting goals with your yeah. with your content.
0: Well, I think there's a very like various ways you can go about it. Um, OKRs is one that has gained a lot of popularity in the recent years. I think that that's pretty helpful framework. But I think being realistic and also shooting high is like that's a tricky balance to find. I think that if you get it like at the extreme of either, like it can be kind of either really disappointing or really like you don't really feel like you're getting to where you want to go. So I think just being really realistic, looking at where your numbers are now, like if you have 5,000 website visits in a month, you're probably not gonna get to 20,000 within the next three months. So scale it back a little bit. But I think it's helpful to kind of develop some cadence of when you're checking where your status is. So whether that's weekly, I think daily for me personally is a little bit too much, but maybe for someone else that works. Um, But I think most importantly, like having a regular check-in point is really important. Um, If you're working with a team, I would build that into your team collaboration process and like in the middle of every month you're going to do a status check or in the middle of every quarter or monthly or something where there is a lot of um accountability built in because I think that that's one of the biggest downfalls of goal setting is like you set this awesome goal and then you kind of just forget to check it and then 4 months go by and you're like oh right I totally forgot yeah. that that's what I was supposed to do.
1: Yeah, me personally like we have OKRs every quarter and we like there's three objectives. And yeah. like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday we review one of the objectives and like yeah. status, et cetera. Um OKRs people don't know, it's objectives and key results. So mm-hmm. what are the big objective? Like I wanna increase revenue and then what are the results you track? One one tip I learned from one business coach is that you wanna set it high enough so you know, even if you hit seventy percent, like best case scenario, like that's still good.
0: hmm Yeah. So you
1: wanna have kind of just like that's still buffered to like stretch right not, like stretch too far where it's unrealistic right so you touched on one thing there that i think you have a lot of experience in which is probably another problem a lot of people experience that's why people hire our agency because they don't know build <laughs> a <little> team um, <laughs> or it's just they don't know they don't know like so around team building like what would you recommend someone who's like looking to get more team members for their content like marketing and, and growing like what kind of tips and tricks would you recommend for those people to focus on
0: like to grow their content marketing strategy or their content team
1: to build a team
0: to build right? a team uh, yeah 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 i think that i understand that this might be where some people are so i don't want to say that you can't have success this route but i think it's really hard to bring on one person to kind of lead your content marketing efforts and expect them to do everything Well, um, I think that one person can handle like social media creation, content creation, blog writing, and reporting and analytics. But I do think that it kind of waters down the quality of all of those things. So I would say the best way to go is to have like your content marketing manager who is kind of overseeing the strategy, the planning, um, maybe some of the implementation, but just like general awareness of if you're if what you're actually putting out online is aligned with your brand and where you want to go. And then to have someone working with them who's responsible for the actual content production, like so a writer, I would say, um, who could handle your blogs, um, maybe your social newsletter, any kind of email campaigns. But I think that the content manager should have a lot of time to analyze and report and strategize. So. That would be like step one, I think. And then if you are expanding from there, obviously it would be helpful to bring in someone who could handle like social media strategy, maybe a designer. So yeah, I mean, I don't really think you would need more than like two to three people to really get get a really well-run machine going, but it's hard to put it yeah. all on one person.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, with the production piece, I always equate it or tell people like, it's almost like if you're, Making the content, and then you're also producing yeah. it. That time producing it or not producing it, like editing it and kind of like mm-hmm. chopping up or whatever you do to promote it could have been spent making more content.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, well, if you get someone, you can do like double the output, maybe. Even exactly. More. Yeah. Um, and it gives you that freedom of mind. Cool. So, uh, okay. So, another topic I wanted to go over is podcast promotion <laughs> through like partnerships. And collabs and even sponsors. That's a, I think it's a different kind of relationship when you're at a certain mm-hmm. level. Of sponsors, but yeah. I guess right now, like partnerships and collabs. Like, how did, how, what a, you know, experience or like knowledge do you have in that topic?
0: Yeah. Um. So I think that they're a really great avenue for marketing, and I think you can see a lot of success. If anything, you're building a relationship, which could develop into something else in the future. I mean, I think that depending on your industry, like you would have to find the relevant. Place to reach out. I've always used LinkedIn, but again, like my experience is in B2B SaaS space. So that was really a great tool for me. But I think it's a balance of a numbers game and then also, you know, sending an outreach message that really highlights why this is a good fit. I would give them a lot of information up front. Like personally, on the receiving end of it, it's really frustrating to get a message like, hey, I think I would love to do a partnership marketing effort with you. Is this interesting to you? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, give me more information. So, provide some potential topic ideas. I would even say, like, where you think your audiences overlap, but talk about that up front so that when they're seeing it, it just it's a little bit more incentive to actually see how this might materialize and what the benefits could be. But I think you know, reach out to a, a lot of people. It's hard to to get responses, and it's hard to know who has the time to do these things. So, I think it's it's just important to kind of keep keep reaching out.
1: So what other common mistakes do you think podcasters make? Like from your world, like seeing mm-hmm. things from the outside in, and then also working with clients. Like, What do you think of the common mistakes people make that they should avoid?
0: There's a few, I think, in different categories. There's... In terms of content and branding, I think that people can get a little bit lost in terms of the direction. And I think their podcast content kind of ends up being really scattered um, and there's not really like a general sense of direction or of like a overarching theme that the conversations are supposed to align with. So I think that's one like definitely, you know, every time your audience interacts with you, it's it's an experience with your brand. So making sure that that's consistent. Um, I think like the Tim Ferriss podcast is one that comes to mind that does a really good job of that because it's all about the same thing, even though it's like very different people. And he does a really good job of the kind of unedited, very lengthy content forms, but it it works for him where you can see like Grammar Girl also does another good podcast, I think, where it's all about the same thing, but varied forms of like topics. Additionally, I think getting your audio quality in a good spot is really important. That's one that like I've made that mistake myself, but I've also seen it a lot. And I think that's just an essential. Good quality microphones, if you're doing a video podcast, good quality for that. Even maybe sending your audience a microphone or your guests, if you have any guests, microphones, that's a really good thing to do too, if you have the ability. Um, I yeah, think another thing is, um, like, making sure that the volume on both ends is pretty consistent. Because I've been in situations where, like, I talk kind of quietly, naturally, um, and someone else might have a really loud voice. And so, when you listen to the finished product, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I sound like I'm whispering, and this person sounds like they're screaming. So, yeah,
1: that's another. Which a lot one. of it, like, a lot of it is, can be fixed in post. Totally, um, I mean, like leveling. But yeah, yeah, it's something to be cognizant of. I always tell people, like. You don't want the listener noticing.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Like if their mind gets off the content, like, and they're like, wait, why does it sound like that? Or why is that? Yeah. Why is there? Then you just kind of probably make it a bad impression.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: So, and I feel with podcasts, if you make a bad impression, you lose a subscriber. It's probably hard to get them back.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Possibly. Okay. So my next question here, it's going to be about, so marketing in general, like growth marketing, what do you recommend? So, like a lot of people like recommend in the start, like focus on kind of bread and butter platforms, just trying mm-hmm. to grow one thing really well. Yeah. Uh, the other people are like be everywhere, you know. <laughs> so, like, well, what's your? Let's say someone's just, just starting to post content and trying to grow their brand. They're more like trying to grow that audience and, and hone in on that message. Mm-hmm. Like, what uh would you recommend?
0: Well, I'm a big proponent of starting small and doing it very well. I think that. You know, marketing can be a really huge money suck. So I think it's important to start slow to go fast. And I think that in the process, especially if you're new, like as you start to engage with your audience, you're going to learn so much about them and about your business. That is kind of essential to expanding well and doing it right. So I think definitely start small. Like, you know, if you're going to do a podcast, do it really well. Don't like I don't know, start a blog and a podcast and a YouTube channel and a series of Instagram lives or LinkedIn lives or whatever, just really do something small. And that's kind of a core part of building a brand is like if you're scattered and you end up kind of just abandoning one platform, that might have a a worse impact than if you had just not done it at all to begin with.
1: Yeah. What would you say is like when I guess working with clients or just... For your own stuff too, like was one of the biggest struggles you encountered, in, and like how did you kind of mm-hmm. uh, solve it, I guess, or get over it?
0: Well, I think this is kind of hmm, pertains to written content, but if you ever have someone coming on your podcast or someone producing content for you, or you're working with a freelancer make sure that they have experience in the areas you need. Like one thing I saw a lot was people would hire freelance writers who had no relevant experience to their industry and that would be a really big hurdle because there's a huge learning curve and both parties end up getting really frustrated. Um I think for podcasts too it's really important to get aligned on um like what you're going to be talking about or general topics and maybe even like do a quick like get to know you chat with the person you're going to be speaking with so that there's no surprises. I think that that is one of those things that is really apparent as someone listening to podcasts. So just doing that groundwork up front, I think is is an
1: important piece. Gotcha. Okay. So is there anything that uh, you're kind of like geeking out on recently or just like super into related to digital content marketing?
0: I'm really interested in how augmented reality and virtual reality are going to come Thank into play. Thank God, you
1: didn't say TikTok. Okay,
0: <laughs> no, <man. laughs> no, I <laughs> I don't really work in any kind of industries where I have a younger audience, so um, lucky for me, I don't really have. To yeah, know I don't about I
1: see TikTok as like a business opportunity. I see yeah. it as like a a brand opportunity, like growing your presence.
0: Yeah, it could be. Um, it's not. I honestly every industry I've worked on has primarily used LinkedIn because it's more of that um like yeah. business owner audience I feel so like LinkedIn
1: I is even growing more now with like the pandemic and
0: oh totally um, yeah so. I think people who used to you know be in offices all the time now are working remote at home and and LinkedIn is a great opportunity to have some of that like interaction into their corporate okay.
1: so can you can you touch on that so uh, augmented reality and virtual reality yeah. like so what do you what are you opportunities do you see in that when it pertains to like online business content marketing, et cetera?
0: Well, I mean, I think you know it's it, to me too it's not something I've really done a lot of with in my marketing strategies yet um but I think if you have a brand where it's really related, I think that it could just be a really fun experience. I think that most people love interactive content, so if you have something where on Instagram you can i don't know like you know, see furniture in your house just by like putting up the photo to your wall. I'm still really unsure of like how the actual technology works, but I think that it's something that can be explored. And I don't think it's right for every brand, but...
1: Yeah. Have you, you ever know. played a virtual reality game? No. I have. How it's is pretty, it? Uh, Do you like it? There was one... It was like it was like a month ago. It was like uh-huh. a, a music event that was virtual. It was like a oh, game. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Downloaded, and uh, it's like you walk around at different stages, etc. It was unique that, you know, there's other people Mm -hmm. kind of in that. And then it's like 3D. Uh, But yeah, I just don't know how it's going to evolve as a platform. Obviously, it's going to be the next big thing. But yeah, yeah. uh, My brother actually is in virtual reality. He's a game that's on on Steam. It's really cool. It's it's called Sound Something. I forget. But the way it works is it's like meditation. Oh, wow. It actually tracks your breath. And the visuals change as you breathe.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's like it becomes more like, it's a lot of just like geometry and like, yeah, uh, et cetera. So they're doing pretty well. That's awesome. So,
0: that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I would love to try that. That's
1: Yeah, I think you could do it just without, like just on on your desktop, but virtual reality mm-hmm. is way different. Like with the... Colors.
0: Yeah. Oh, so, wow.
1: Yeah. So I guess, is there anything else you like, any like thing else you think you could shed out light on or you think we didn't cover when it comes to people who are podcasting or trying to just build their brand, you know, help help with their messaging, content, etc. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think we kind of touched on this. But just I would say, just to kind of highlight the importance of starting small and doing your research and, and really taking the time to find out, like not only, you know, product market or podcast market fit, but also, how you want to position yourself, like how you want your audience to feel when they interact with your content and, and really giving yourself the time to flush that out a little bit. like Look at your competitors, think about what you like and what you don't or what you would want to hear or know if you were in your audience's shoes. I just think that that foundational work is so important. And I think I've just seen it go not well the other direction when companies are just like, I just want to produce content like right now and that's great but it ends up getting really messy later on so
1: yeah and and it's it's apparent when it's not thought out yeah <laughs> because it is something that like requires you to use your brain and like brainstorm <laughs> and it's sometimes it has to pivot yeah like, let me try this and then you, you test it it's almost like you're a detective exactly like, let, me, let me try these angles and, and this audience and like hmm, that's picking up traction that's not you know right yeah. Um. So, but I guess big companies don't like operating like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a lot of experience working with big companies, correct?
0: Yeah, I have kind of a a blend of bigger companies. Like Martinelli's is obviously a really well known brand. Is that um,
1: water?
0: That's, Martinelli's knows sparkling apple juice.
1: Oh, sparkling. Okay, that's interesting. Or cider, sparkling cider. Okay, because I'm know. I'm obsessed with spark with like soda water.
0: Oh, me too. Yeah. No, I didn't I like buying
1: by the cases. Like. Oh how, my how god. Like
0: I know. I have um, a carbonation tank actually <laughs> to like make oh, my own spark. Yeah, it's
1: actually smarter.
0: I know. Like, I'm, like I'm addicted.
1: But yeah. With, Mar- with Martinelli, what do you do with them exactly?
0: I don't work on them anymore. Um, I worked on their account when I was at Mind Groove, which is an advertising agency in San Diego. But I worked on their blog and their social and kind of general like content strategy, although that was earlier in my career. So I was less leading things. But.
1: Gotcha. Actually I'm curious to get your opinion. Like yeah, how uh how do you see the landscape right now with everything like in the social marketing world? Obviously the pandemic is changing things. Like mm-hmm. is there more opportunity? Is there like certain things you see companies, brands wanting more of or like interested in?
0: Um I mean, I think it's really interesting because I think not that this wasn't true before the pandemic, but I think it's become even more of a necessity now for brands to be more than just a service offering or a product offering. Um, I think consumers are like wanting there to be a bigger purpose than providing a service or buying something. I think that with all of the kind of social justice movements, people are wanting brands to, to speak up and align with something and take a stand. And I think that that kind of authenticity Will become more and more important, and I think the actual, like putting your money where your mouth is, will also become more important. I think that people are very savvy now and can really recognize, like, social justice washing or greenwashing, and and when it's fake and when it's real. So, I think that incorporating some kind of realness and human piece to your content and your social and your podcast is yeah. is pretty important.
1: I I was kind of suspicious when um. There was a Facebook ad boycott, which is still going on, I guess. Yeah, like, and it's all around like hate speech and yeah. You know, like, I'm almost positive they're just doing this for the publicity, and mm-hmm. they were going to cut budgets already because yeah, be happening the Fortune Five, like Coca Cola shouldn't be spending money right now, like, and all this stuff, like, <laughs> like I, th- I, th- I was like, man, these companies are just trying to have save face.
0: Yeah, I think that that is happening a lot. Um, I do think that there are brands who really do believe yeah. in their mission um but I, they ha- are harder to find and i think that they're usually not the most popular ones
1: i'm curious do you have a podcast
0: no um i did but i i stopped it it was kind of a personal venture and i actually have found that i enjoy building other people's podcasts and brands more than my own
1: so. gotcha so like what's what's going on in your world what are you working on like if people want to follow you or kind of work yeah. with you etc
0: um yeah so You can find me on LinkedIn, Shoshana Luria. Um, I do content and brand strategy. Can you spell that?
1: Yeah. I've I've already misspelled the the first name like 10 times. I forgot the H a lot.
0: Yeah, sure. No problem. So Shoshana, S-H-O-S-H-A-N as in Nancy A. And then my last name is Luria, L-U-R-I-A. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. And I do work on content and brand strategies for um, various clients. So I'm not... Right now I don't have like an active project that I'm working on, although I, I do have a couple of clients, but there's no like big amazing thing I'm launching at the
1: moment. Gotcha. So you guys cool. can connect, add Soshana yeah. on uh, LinkedIn. If you want to connect with her and appreciate you guys listening. Any any last words?
0: No, I think that's it. Yeah, I would love to chat further if anyone has any other questions and I'm totally reachable on LinkedIn. So thank you for having me.
1: Boom. Okay. Awesome. See you guys later. Yo, guys, you actually made it to the end of the episode. So you know what that means? I actually don't know what that means. But did you guys know that I actually stream all these podcast interviews live in my Facebook group? That's pretty crazy, right? So if you want to get these awesome people that are on my show to answer your questions live, then please join the Facebook group because a lot of my guests, like they would charge thousands of dollars an hour for their time. So you can find a link to my Facebook group in the show notes or just go into Facebook and type in Podcast Success Secrets. If you have any questions you want me to answer or any guests you want me to get on the show, please ask them in the Facebook group. Okay, I think we're done now.